It's good to be here this morning. I want to take just a moment to give my personal thanks to Chris Swinford uh, for being here this weekend. Chris, you just need to know that you truly brought God's blessings to us this weekend, and we really appreciate it. You fed us deeply with God's rich word, and we can't tell you how much we appreciate that. So thank you for being here. And Alan and Haley and the boys, it's great to see you guys here as well. It's good to have you back. Um, I hope that this feels like home to you, at least in some way, because we certainly still feel like you're part of us. So welcome back as well. I want to give you a Project 9K update. Um, If you don't know, Project 9K is our Bible reading challenge here at Netherwood Park. We have challenged ourselves as a congregation to read at least 9,000 books of the Bible in 2017. And so far, we have read 863 books of the Bible. So we're making great progress. Keep up the good work. Keep being immersed in God's word. You may wonder why we are doing this Bible reading challenge and why we did a Bible reading challenge last year. And the reason that we're doing that is it's because... We are those people. We are people who believe in the power of God's word. We believe in the transforming power of God's word. So you need to know that we are a Bible-reading and Bible-believing church. You also need to know that we're a praying church. We believe that prayer is powerful and effective. And because we believe in the power of prayer, we would love to lift your needs up. In prayer. So if you have a need in your life that you would like for us to pray for, we'd really like for you to let us know about that. And you can let us know about your need by filling out one of these green prayer request cards. You can find those in the rack in front of you. If you'll just fill out what you need us to pray for and you drop it in one of the collection boxes, you can be sure that we will lift your prayers up to God. We will honor your request. You can find two collection boxes at the back of the auditorium can find another one through these double doors. We believe in prayer. should also know that we are a baptizing church. We believe in the power of baptism. We believe that it is through immersion in water that believers in Jesus Christ are buried with Jesus so that they can also rise with Jesus. They can leave behind their old lives and rise to new lives in Jesus Christ. So if you're here and you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you haven't been baptized, we really should talk about that. We should have a conversation about that. If you'd like to have that conversation, I'd encourage you to turn that green card over, fill out your contact information, check the box on there about baptism, drop it in those same boxes, and you can be sure that I will contact you right away so we can have that conversation And one more thing, you should also know that we firmly believe that it's really important that every Christian be a part of a church family. We think it's important that each Christian formally announce that they belong to a church, that they want to be led by its eldership, that they want to be part of living life together with brothers and sisters in Christ. So if you've been attending here a while and you haven't made that declaration I'd really like to encourage you to do that. On that same green card, if you'd fill out your contact information, just check the box about church membership, drop it in one of those boxes, you can be sure that I'll contact you right away so we can have that conversation. And with that said, let's move on to Jesus. 
Let's move on to the Gospel of John. We'll be in the 11th chapter of the Gospel of John. You might want to grab your Bibles and go ahead and turn there now. And as we get ready to do that, let's pray together. Father, you have made us alive in Christ. Father, you have brought us back from the dead. And Father, we confess that oftentimes we find ourselves wandering back to the tomb. So our prayer this morning, Father, is that you will help us listen to Jesus' voice. You'll help us follow his light. His light, which is the light of the world. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. So as I mentioned, we are going to be in the 11th chapter of John's Gospel. And we're going to look at an amazing and powerful story this morning. It's a remarkable story. We're going to be talking about Lazarus. And as we look at this story about Lazarus, we're going to see that this is a story about faith. It's a story about hope. It's a story about how living faith brings hope. How living faith brings hope even when everything seems hopeless. This morning, I want us to see that the story of Lazarus brings a message of hope to us, to every one of us, and to the entire world. And I especially want us to see that the story of Lazarus brings a message of hope to four different groups of people who I believe might be here this morning. So listen and see if maybe you're not a member of one or more of these groups. Group number one, the story of Lazarus brings a message of hope for anyone here who believes that they are too far gone for Jesus to bring them back. If you're here and you believe that you're too far gone in your sin for Jesus to bring you back, I want you to know that today's message is a message of hope for you. Group number two. The story of Lazarus is a message of hope for anyone here who believes that their children or their grandchildren are too far gone for Jesus to bring them back. If you're here today and you believe that your children or your grandchildren are too far gone in their sin for Jesus to bring them back, I want you to know that today's message is a message of hope for you. And it's a message of hope for your children and your grandchildren. Group number three. The story of Lazarus is a message of hope for anyone here who believes that a friend or other family member is too far gone for Jesus to bring them back. If you have friends or family members that you believe are too far gone in their sin for Jesus to bring them back, I want you to know that today's message is a message of hope for you and a message of hope for your friends and your family members. And finally, group number four. The story of Lazarus is a message of hope For anyone here who believes that the people that they see on the street are the people that they read about in the newspapers, are the people that they see on the news, if you believe that those people are too far gone for Jesus to bring them back, this is a message of hope. If you believe that the people you see around you and that you see on the news and that you read in the newspaper, if you believe that they're too far gone in their sin for Jesus to bring them back, this is a message of hope for you 
and for the world we live in. Today's message is a message of hope, even when everything seems hopeless. And today's story of Lazarus, it's going to force us to ask ourselves some questions, maybe uncomfortable questions. Some questions about our hope and about our faith. The story of Lazarus will force us to ask ourselves if we just possess faith, if we just profess faith, or if we actually live our faith, if we actually live our hope. The story is going to force us to confront the question, do we live like people who have hope and have faith that Jesus can give life to someone who seems too far gone? Do we live like people who have hope and who have faith that for Jesus it's never too late? It's never hopeless. So let's look at the story of Lazarus. To set the stage, this occurs after Jesus healed the blind man in Jerusalem. And Jesus and his apostles have made their way to friendlier territory. They've gone back over to the east side of the Jordan River. And Jesus has just received word from his good friends Mary and Martha that his good friend and their brother Lazarus is sick. And when Jesus hears that news, Jesus confidently declares that Lazarus will not die. This sickness will not end in death. And Jesus says, instead of death, this sickness is going to be used to bring glory to God and to glorify God's Son. So instead of rushing back to be with his sick friend in the suburbs of Jerusalem, Jesus stays right where he is. And he stays there for two days. And then after two days, he announces to his disciples' surprise that he's going back to the very place where the religious leaders have been trying to kill him. And by way of explanation for why he's going back into that danger zone, Jesus tells his disciples in verse 14, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe but let us go to him. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. So Jesus and disciples head back to Bethany. And as they head back, they're anticipating death. They're anticipating Jesus' death. They're anticipating their own death. And they're going back to see someone who has already died. But instead of going back and seeing death, they're going to go back and get a lesson about life, about true life. Verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Let's stop there for a moment. Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. Think about that for a moment. And it's okay if you curl your nose up like this. He's been in the tomb for four days. Lazarus died. Lazarus' body has been prepared for burial. It's been wrapped with strips of linen. Maybe there's been some oil and some incense, some spices that have been put on the body. The round rock has been rolled back. 
Lazarus' body has been taken into the tomb. It's been put on a rock shelf. The stone has been rolled back in place to block the cover of the tomb. And all that took place four days ago. Well, why is that important? Well, it's important because Jewish tradition held something kind of interesting about the soul of a dead person. You see, they believed that a dead person's soul would linger near the body for up to three days after they died. And this is the fourth day. Jesus showed up on the fourth day. He showed up on a day in which everybody could agree. Everybody understood that Lazarus' body is dead and his soul is gone. So to all appearances, Lazarus is too far gone and Jesus is too late. Everybody could agree this was a hopeless situation. And our story continues on, verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is to come into the world. And after Martha said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. And when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. And Jesus had not yet entered the village. He was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going back to the tomb to mourn there. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. What tremendous faith. Mary, now, and Martha before her both confess their faith in Jesus and confess their faith in his power. They have no doubt that not only could Jesus have healed Lazarus, he would have healed Lazarus. If only he wasn't too late. And oh, Martha, what faith Martha has. To say, I believe you are the Christ. To say, I believe you are the Son of God. To say, I will, I believe you will raise up my brother in that last day, in the resurrection day. I believe you will raise him up in that day. But, but what about today? See, on this day, even the faithful, even Mary and Martha could see that Lazarus was too far gone. 
and that Jesus was too late for any hope of life for Lazarus on this day. It all seems hopeless. Except, except for something Jesus said. What was that Jesus said about resurrection and life? Remember, he said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. And the story continues, verse 33. When Jesus saw Mary weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he said. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, I'll see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? What a great question, right? Couldn't Jesus, couldn't the man who had the power to give sight to someone who was born blind, couldn't he have kept his dear friend from dying? Couldn't the man who brought sight to someone he didn't even know, couldn't he have brought healing to his friend and kept him from dying? Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from ever having to go in the tomb? Surely he could have done something back when there was hope. Why did he show up when it was all hopeless? And the story continues, verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor. For he's been there for four days. Then Jesus said, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now, wouldn't you love to have a conversation with Lazarus? You know, what was it like, Lazarus? What were you thinking, Lazarus? What went through your mind when you found yourself alive but dressed in grave clothes? What about the people who were there watching all of this? Can you imagine the impact on them? We can imagine the impact, but we can also read about the impact. We can read about the impact that Lazarus walking out of the tomb had on them. Verse 45 Therefore, because of what happened, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. 
Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they ask. Here is this man performing many miraculous signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. And then in verse 53 we read, So from that day on they plotted to take Jesus' life. Isn't that an interesting situation? Isn't that an interesting, interesting progression that two different groups of people make? See, some of the people who were there at the tomb quickly moved from believing that Jesus could have done something, could have done something if only Lazarus hadn't been too far gone and if only Jesus hadn't been too late. They progress from that belief to living faith, faith that Jesus is the Christ, faith that Jesus is the Son of God, faith that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, faith that for Jesus it's never too late. So many believed, but others plotted. There were others who progressed, or probably more properly put, regressed. They went in a very different direction. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they no longer viewed Jesus as just a troublesome rabbi. They no longer view him as just a blaspheming rule breaker. No, they hear about Lazarus walking out of the tomb and they see that they better act quickly. They better act before their authority is too far gone. They better act quickly before it's too late and they lose their position and they lose their power. And how about us? Here we are. We're standing outside the tomb. And you know, it's really easy for us to step into the sandals of those witnesses and ask ourselves, how would we react witnessing Lazarus walk out of the grave? And that's a good exercise. That's a, those are good sandals for us to step into. But I want us to put on a different article of clothing today. Instead of putting on sandals, I want us to put on grave clothes. I want us to put on grave clothes. I want us to wrap strips of linen on our hands and feet. I want us to wrap a grave cloth over our faces. I want us to emerge in wonder and amazement out of the tomb wearing our grave clothes. And I want us to do that because we are Lazarus. I am Lazarus. You are Lazarus. Your children and grandchildren are Lazarus. Your friends and family members are Lazarus. The people that you see on the street and you read about in the newspaper and you see on the news, they are Lazarus. And I want us to recognize that like Lazarus, none of us are too far gone. And it's never too late. It's never too late because of Jesus Because the one who healed the sick, the one who fed the crowds, the one who gave sight to the blind man, and the one who called Lazarus from the grave, it's never too late because of him. 
None of us are too far gone, and it's never too late to be brought back to life by Jesus Christ. Paul wrote this in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. And he's speaking to us as we stand here in wonder and amazement, still wrapped in our grave clothes. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. We are Lazarus. We, all of us, all of us were dead. We were too far gone. But our God, our God who's rich in love and rich in mercy, decided it wasn't too late. And so he sent his son. He sent his son to die on a cross and to walk out of a tomb so we too could be made alive, made alive with Christ. It's by God's grace It's only by God's grace that we have been saved from our death. From our eternal death. Our God has called us out of our tombs. He's called us out of our tombs to give us life-giving faith. To give us true life. Life in Jesus Christ. Life in the Son of God. And that's why this story of Lazarus is such a great story, a great message of hope. And as we stand outside the tomb, we can see things clearly because we're in the light. We can see clearly that Jesus does care, He's deeply moved. He cares about me and He cares about you. And he cares about your children and he cares about your grandchildren. And he cares about your friends and he cares about your other family members. And he cares about those people that you see on the street and the people that you read about in the newspaper and the people that you see on the news. Jesus cares. And as we're standing outside the tomb, we can also hear clearly. And we can hear that Jesus is calling people out of their tombs. He's calling me and he's calling you. And he's calling your children and he's calling your grandchildren. He's calling your friends and he's calling your family members and he's calling all those people that you see around you and you see in the news. You can hear that Jesus is calling And we can also see that, amazingly enough, Jesus won't turn away. 
no matter how messy the situation, no matter how unappetizing it might be, no, long, no matter how long we've been dead, we can see that Jesus won't turn away because of the smell, because of the stench. He won't turn away from me and he won't turn away from you. He won't turn away from your children and he won't turn away from your grandchildren. And he won't turn away from your friends and he won't turn away from your family members. And he won't turn away from those people on the street and the people that you read about and the people you see in the news. Jesus won't turn away. And ultimately we can see that this story of Lazarus walking out of the tomb is a powerful message of hope. Because we see how it demonstrates that Jesus has all power and all authority. Yes, he has the power and authority to heal the sick. Yes, he has the power and authority to feed the crowds. Yes, he has the power and authority to give sight to the blind. He also has the power and authority to call Lazarus from the grave. When everybody else was certain that Lazarus was too far gone and Jesus was simply too late. And Jesus has the power and authority to make us alive with him even when we're dead in our transgressions. Jesus and only Jesus gives hope when all seems hopeless. So as we end today... I want to invite you to join with me in a prayer. I want us to pray together, a a prayer that ears will be opened, a prayer that Jesus' voice will be heard, a prayer that those who are dead in their transgressions will walk out of their tombs to life in Jesus. And we can pray that prayer confidently. We can pray that prayer boldly. Because like Martha, we believe that Jesus is the Christ. We believe that he is the Son of God. We believe he is the one who came in the world to call us and to call the world out of our tombs. So won't you pray with me? Father, we pray that ears will be opened. And all the people said, Amen. And Father, we pray that Jesus' voice will be heard. All the people said, Amen. And Father, we pray that those who are dead in their transgressions will walk out of their tombs to life in Jesus. And all the people said, Amen. So let's end by standing up and lifting our voices to Jesus. Lifting our voice to our Lord who brings life when all seems hopeless. Let's stand. Let's sing.